this our prayer today tune our hearts that we may sing your glorious grace lord may everything that we do today uh, just point to jesus christ and his lordship uh, lord we just thank you for mother's day today and and we just want to be a, a blessing to all the moms and encouragement to them uh, lord just be with us in every aspect of what is done in prayer and singing and preaching uh, every aspect lord may it point to jesus and it's in his name we pray amen Hey, let me just take a quick moment before Jennifer comes to remind you about the uh, connection card. So if you're a first or second time guest, or maybe you've just never filled out one of these before, you're, you're, just, you're just scared. You're just really honestly scared to fill one of these out. Uh, don't be. Uh, go ahead and fill this out, and you can put it in the offering plate, or you can take it to the connection center after the worship center, or after the worship service, okay? So please do that. And now, welcome uh, our preschool director, Jennifer. to introduce the families participating in this morning's parent-child dedication service and welcome family and friends who have traveled to witness this special event in the life of these families. At this time, if all the families would like to come and stand. As each family is introduced this morning, they will be presented with a certificate of dedication and a Bible to serve as a reminder of the covenant that they will be entering into today. Our first family is Grayson, Lynn Muller, born February 27th, 2023. His parents are Alex and Ashley Muller. Next, we have Bonnie May Reese, born May 24th, 2022. Her parents are Garrett and Tori Reese. And last, Uriah Bjorn Sharp, born January 3rd, 2023. His parents are Jason and Olivia Sharp. I asked Garrett and Tori if they were gonna be back up here next year and Garrett just laughed. <laughs> Well, what a blessing it is for our church family to engage in this kind of a dedication service. And it is the privilege of our church here at FBCO to encourage and assist our parents in the proper training and development of children. It's very appropriate for home and church, following the scripture, to unite together with our parents. And so this act of dedication, we believe, is in keeping with the Holy Word of God it's a service of dedication where we first give thanks to our God for the creation and birth of these children. And we also make a solemn promise as parents and together as a church that relying on the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, working together with home and church, that we'll both endeavor to provide guidance for these children in instruction, discipline, salvation experience, and growth in the Lord. Listen to the word of the Lord. We agree with the psalmist. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. 
The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Psalm 127, 3 through 5. And then, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. So in this time of commitment, I first address the parents. In presenting your child to the Lord, do you promise in dependence on God's grace to teach your child the truths of the Christian faith, to set an example, a Christian example before him or her, and to bring him or her up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord, and to encourage him or her to accept Christ as his or her Savior under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And to the congregation, do you, members of this church family, promise to join these parents in teaching and training these children that he or she may be led in due time to trust the Lord Jesus Christ and to confess him through baptismal waters and church membership? And if you do, would you indicate this by standing? All right. To God be the glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the amazing blessing uh, of children. Uh, Father, may we take seriously our responsibility uh, for these little ones to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, uh, to join together with home and church, Lord, to give them the word of God, to teach them your attributes, to, uh, as it says in the word of God, that Timothy was given the word of God as a child, and it made him wise unto salvation. And Lord, we pray for each one, their salvation experience. May they trust you as Lord. And Father, may you use them to honor you in this life. May they put another flag on the hill for the cause of Christ in your kingdom and its work. And we pray a blessing on these parents and our church family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we really do want to say uh, happy Mother's Day. We know a mother's influence begins even when your baby is in the womb. Amen. Because in the womb, that baby is a fully human being. Amen. And we don't have to say that in this room, but the world forgets that. And, uh, and then that influence goes on as, as they're their ch- uh, age and as uh, their uh, children, as their uh, adolescents, and even beyond. And so, moms, if you've got kids beyond, uh, here's a good reminder for you. Congratulations, but everyone still needs a little help sometimes. Mom, have you seen my wallet? It's in your back pocket. No, I checked there. Your other back pocket, dear. Ah. Thanks, Mom. Introducing the Mom Personal Assistant, the only smart speaker device with all the wisdom, caring, and sage advice of a mother. Mom, please call Brad. Honey, I'm just not sure he's right for you. Just call him. Okay, calling Ryan. No, Mom, I said call Brad. Trust me. The Mom PA always has your best interests in mind. Wish me luck, Mom. Big interview today. Did you eat breakfast? Uh... Is that what you're wearing? Wait, what? Did you even shower? She's there to provide a helping hand whenever you need it. Mom, set a timer for 40 minutes. Mom? The mom personal assistant won't function until you say the magic word. Oh, right. Mom, please set a timer for 40 minutes. Sure thing, hon, but it's only 30 minutes for that dish. The mom PA is always correct and basically knows everything. Mom, what setting should I use for this laundry? Mom, do you think I should color my hair? Hey, Mom, can you please order mac and cheese? You still have two boxes. What? No, we're out. Did you look? Yeah, I just looked. It's gone. Do you want me to look? Uh, No, no, it's okay. I'll go look again. Try looking with your eyes this time. Based on God's perfect design, the mom personal assistant is thoughtful, kind, encouraging, and supportive. You are beautiful. It's okay. You're going to get through this. I am so proud of you. You can change the world. But right now, hon, you really need to change your socks because they smell like a dumpster. Mom. The mom personal assistant. Always helpful, always reliable, and always there for you. Okay, but seriously, happy Mother's Day. 
And we want to sing some songs that just encourage you, uh, songs like My Worth Is Not In What I Own, songs like Come to Jesus, Rest in Him. How many moms need to rest in Jesus? Yeah, amen. And so, uh, so let's just uh, sing some songs of encouragement uh, today as we, as we worship the Lord.
proclaim his faithfulness. For great is thy faithfulness. For great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, I have had provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord unto me. Let's just lift our voices and sing that as a prayer for our uh, offertory prayer today. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see, all I need, all I have needed, thy hand hath
I think that we should have Mother's Day two Sundays out of the month. Just look around at the crowd, right? <clears throat> Some of you are here today because your mom said, here's the gift I want. I want you in church on Sunday. And you guys, kind of like the video, right? You had the, the little mom thing sitting. Are you going to church today? Glad you are here. On a much more serious note, Elsie Shuford has her family in town today, Sam and Adriana Vibus. And, uh, did, you, and did your mom make it through too? Oh, there she is, Miss Campos, back there. And also Natasha is here. And uh, folks, we prayed for her a lot as a church family. Uh, she was shot down in Florida at a resort back December 14th. And she's looking as pretty as ever sitting back there. And she's getting better. And uh, the doctor said she probably uh, would not survive. And to God be the glory. So I know there's a thankful mom and an and aunt back there and grandmother. Amen. Thank God for his grace to take care of us. So we praise the Lord Jesus for that. And I know a bunch of you, many of you are here today because you're visiting family and friends. And we're glad you are here visiting with your mom and grandmothers. And to God be the glory. Today I want to talk about the gospel and priorities in ministry for mothers. So, so I'm going to be in two books, okay? The first part on ministry priorities will be found in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And then I want to go over and read a few verses, select passages in the book of Galatians to help us see the gospel part. So I bring those two themes together purposefully. The gospel, you know, the gospel is for moms too, right? And for grandmothers. So the gospel and priorities in ministry for mothers. The first text, Luke 10. It's very familiar. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. Listen to the word of the Lord. Galatians 1.10, for I am now seeking the... For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Chapter 2, verse 16. Let's start in verse 15. Get a running start. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet... We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because, listen, by works of the law, no one will be justified. Translation, you can't be right with God through the law. You can't be right with God through works. All right, chapter 3, verse 21 is our last section. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Saw a caption this morning of an article that read, Moms reveal the best and worst 
gifts to receive on Mother's Day. I scanned down through there. One mother said the worst gift would be just to have a horrible day. Another lady said to wake up in the morning and begin to argue and then to have a bunch of clothes to wash. (laughs) Another said getting nothing actually would be the best gift. She just desired to be appreciated. And perhaps my favorite one was this one. And some of you guys I know are guilty of this. She said, I don't want any gifts that involve house chores. So guys, if you bought your wife a vacuum cleaner or an iron, you're in trouble. But aren't we thankful today for moms, for motherhood? There are are some things that only moms can teach. My mom taught me, for instance, anticipation. You just wait till your father gets home. (laughs) Right? You ever? (laughs) Yeah. My mom also taught me medical science. If you keep crossing your eyes that way, they're going to stick. Did mom ever tell you that? My mom also taught me genetics. You're just like your father. (laughs) And my mom also taught me about justice. One day you'll have kids, and I hope they turn out just like you. (laughs) Did you ever get that? I mean, I get that one a lot, right? But the most important thing my mom ever did for me is to point me to Jesus Christ. So we we say thanks to the Lord God. All right, here's a good statement. An ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. I agree with that. Now, put all that together with societally, we don't even know how to define what a woman is. Much less. A mother. And so although moms carry such an incredible heavy load already, it seems because of our society that the pressures are mounting. Uh, There are always the ordinary pressures of being a wife and a mother. And all of us have to stand up and confess today that, ladies, you're the glue that holds it all together. And you can be as vocal as you want to on Mother's Day to say yes, right, in this congregation. When mom is out of commission or mom is out of town, everything falls apart. And I believe that to be a wife and mother today is one of the most, if not the most, demanding calling in the entire world. It is also a high and holy calling to be a mother. Moms feel a lot of pressure, right? Wife, mother, housekeeper, taking care of children, and work. As a matter of fact, additionally to that, I would say the most despicable thing you can ever say to a wife and a mother is, do you work? Duh. (laughs) Right? Maybe you're meaning by that extra domum in Latin, which means maybe you're meaning work outside of the home. And I know a lot of ladies do that. But with all that brought into into the frame this morning, uh, I was praying and thinking over the last few weeks, Lord, what is it that I can do to honor you most, Father? Honor your son most. And here's what I've come up with today. I want to take these two texts. This first one in Luke highlights what it means to understand the greatest thing in the world. And that is to enjoy and know Christ. That's what's going on in the narrative beginning in Luke chapter 10. And it runs from Luke 10 all the way from cha- to chapter 11 verse 13. So one of the major ideas that runs concurrently through that particular section is the fact that there is an inheritance. Are y'all listening? There is a possession. You will note that in the text. There's a good portion that Mary has chosen that will not be taken away from her. Let that sink in. There's an inheritance involved with that statement. And if you read the sections before... It will be talking about something that should be possessed, possessed as our possession and something that should be inherited and enjoyed. You see this in 41 and 42. The other theme that runs throughout this section is ministry or serving. So we're putting a couple of things together. Our greatest joy is in Christ and we are called by Christ to serve. If you're saved, you're called to serve. You're saved to minister. And so in chapter 10, verses 1 through 24, 
Jesus will teach us about the Lord of the harvest. You ever read that? It's presented to us as the joy of serving the Lord of the harvest. Why? Listen, church. Ministry depends on the Lord. He's the Lord of the harvest. Ministry should, be, should, find, should find ultimate joy in knowing the Father through the Son. That's chapter 10, 17 through 24. In 10, 25 through 37, ministry is characterized by compassion. To have a heart for ministry. You know the story of the Good Samaritan? It's to have a heart for ministry and service. And we need to recognize the essence of God's will as love for God and people. And recognize our own inadequacy in all of this. Luke 10, 25 through 28. And then we come to this paragraph. And we're to recognize in this section that there are ministry priorities that we have. And the number one priority has to be an undivided attention to thus saith the Lord. We have to have undivided attention to the word of God. So, okay, moms, here's my gift to you today from the preaching of the word. And also, my goal is for this to be short. <laughs> Not said anything. That's my gift to you. Okay, number one. Here's what we learn in Luke 10. Submit to Jesus as Lord and take him at his word rather than demand that Jesus take heed to your word. Right? Is this not what's going on in this particular text? It's Martha's house. Our Lord from the beginning loves and includes women among his disciples. Notice that word, terminology. He accorded women much dignity. And here he is fellowshipping with them. And to cut to the chase, you've got Martha's sister Mary. The Bible says she sat at the Lord's feet. She's listening to what he said. And then you've got Martha distracted by many tasks. Is this not real life circumstance? Does your home look like this sometimes? Can you think of how things are functioning in real life circumstance? So in verse 40, Martha demands that Jesus take heed to her word. Now the grammar is strong here, and I don't want to take every aspect of it apart. But here, here, here is Martha with a rag in one hand and the other one on her hip. I mean, seriously. This is, this is Martha at this point. And she's accusing the Lord of glory for not caring about her serving alone. You ever felt like this, ladies? You serve your family every day, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of thanks. You wonder if what you're doing really matters in the Lord's sight. Does anybody take notice? Does God care? Now, again, when you put together kurios, Lord, and akua, to hear, listening to the Lord, so... There's this internal evidence that Mary thus epitomizes, epitomizes what God wants you to do priority-wise, number one, is to hear the word of the Lord, to listen to what the word of God says. So with that combination of words, it indicates this internal evidence that Mary epitomizes an appropriate response to the Lord, to Jesus. To the Lord of glory. Willingly submitting to him as Lord. Right? Not taking it upon herself to say, Lord, you should do this. But except submitting to him as Lord and also listening to his word. And if you're familiar with Lucan theology, listen to what it says in chapter 8, verse 21 of Luke's gospel. But he answered them and said... My mother and my brother are those who hear the word of God and do it. Y'all listening? Pretty, pretty strong, huh? That's who Jesus is saying. Those who really follow me are those who hear the word of God and do it. And so here we have the Lord actually teaching this. What do we have in contrast when you look at Martha and then you look at Mary. Uh, you look at Mary, then you look at Martha. Well, Martha is distracted. She's pulled away by all of this serving. In contrast, Mary is demanding Jesus to do something for her and even tells him what to say. She introduces a question that expects an answer. In Greek, if you read through it, it looks tough, right? But if you see Metis, 
then it demands a negative. If you see uti, it demands a positive response. So in her mind, when she says, Mary should be helping me, she's anticipating and thinking that Jesus should say, yes, you are right, Martha. That's what she's thinking. And he's exhorting her. She's telling him, rebuking him in such a way that you must not care if you don't answer affirmatively to that. Luther, Martin Luther said, what good is the belly with food if the mouth is without the word? There is a simple dichotomy going on in this text. Martha represents the hard-working, care-worn person who is so busy with chores that she's distracted from listening to thus saith the Lord. She's missing the message. Mary neglects the chores because she is enwrapped in Jesus' words. So in the course of things... Martha would be the more responsible and upright of the two if we were thinking about this generationally, right? We would say, we ought to put our, both hands on our hips and say, that's right, Mary, step up. Martha's in the kitchen working, and we would think, wow, the guests are there, and you should be helping. Mary seems to be lazy, irresponsible, distracted with pleasure. But, of course, we're talking about the gospel people. We're talking about the Lord of glory speaking the word of God. And that always outweighs worldly things. To hear the word of the Lord. So in this case, Martha was wrong for throwing off on her sister. She was wrong for demanding her word to Mary be a word from the Lord. This is not an invitation, okay, to jettison your responsibilities, okay? It's not a... uh, permission for you just to say, I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus and never work a day in your life. If you do this, then you're in trouble because you're breaking what God has said for us to do as men and women of the Lord. So we may say that this is particularly in line with the need spiritually to hear the gospel, to hear the word of God, to stop with all the distractions and to listen, to meditate and read God's word. This is especially true when it comes to the preaching of God's word. You just you pump the brakes and you listen to the word of God. Erasmus actually said this. Work is fine so long as it doesn't divide the body from the soul. Good statement. We can't be so wrapped up in things that we neglect the word of God and the need to be wrapped up with soul care. This story is not to set out a commendation to just have a, a life of contemplation. Or is it to be set against, over against an active life of service to the Lord? This is to help you see ministry priorities, ladies. Number one priority, you need to hear and obey the word of God. All right, second, liken to it, prioritize Jesus' word as the greatest blessing rather than worry and fret over many distractions. Did y'all notice that in the, in the text it says, Martha, Martha. Why does he say it like that? Because the Lord Jesus has tenderness toward Martha. Even though she's in the wrong for her attitude and she's kind of come against the Lord of glory and complained in many ways and threw her sister under the bus. Here the Lord is sensitive and he says, the good portion, or we see this term, the good portion. Uh, Many scholars have talked about that figuratively, this good portion may be an allusion to the fact that Mary has actually chosen the right meal because of the terminology, good portion. And the right meal at that point was the Word of God. So we need to be careful that self-imposed necessities of ministry we need, to, we need to be reminded that when we impose these things upon us, it can smother us. It can turn into drudgery. The one thing that is needed, Jesus says, the thing that is better, is listening to and obeying the Word of God. The highest priority for those who would be activists for God is to listen to the Word of God. If you miss out on hearing the Word, you will have the lost integrating center, which makes possible... This singleness of vision and action to do the Lord's ministry. Without the word in us, all ministry is vain. 
without the Word of God leading us. So, this, is, this will not be taken away from Mary. Do you see the inheritance? Now, here's the deal, folks. Life doesn't automatically arrange itself in proper priorities. Don't you wish it did? That we always knew proper priorities in that order. And so amidst a thousand duties, we need to understand that sitting at the feet of Jesus, this one thing, this better thing, needs to be the primary focus of our hearts, ladies, mothers, and our lives. Jesus says, Mary has chosen the good portion. Hear me, Mary's choice was good in sickness and good in health. Right? Mary's choice was good in youth and good in old age. Mary's choice was good in adversity, and it's good in prosperity. It's good in life, and it's good in death. It is good in time, and it is good in eternity. Now, that's my first sermon. Y'all got it? Submitting to the word of Christ. Not our own word. He's Lord. He gives the word. All right? And then second to that is prioritize Jesus' word as the greatest blessing rather than worry about all the distractions. Now, let me shift gears. And our reaction to feminism, and let me just go ahead and tell you, feminism kills. It's a lie of the enemy. But in our world, in reaction to feminism, we have at times inadvertently created an atmosphere that can easily become a legalistic framework for mothers. All right? Track with me. Certain ministries with certain emphasis enforce often legalistic pressures. When a mother feels that unless she homeschools or unless she bakes her own bread at home and unless she grows her own food, unless she makes clothes for her children, unless she has as many children as her womb can possibly bear, then she's not a godly mother and she's actually in bondage. And there are many women who have been told that this is what a godly mother looks like. This is what godly motherhood is. And if you don't do this, you're not a godly mother. If you couple that legalistic pressure with most women's desire for perfectionism in motherhood, then you're looking at disaster. Okay? This can lead to legalistic enslavements that associate success in those areas with her acceptance with God. And this is true, folks. I do a lot of counseling. Uh, I'm 52 years old. When I was 27, I could not talk intelligently nor with wisdom about this. But I'm 52. And I know a little bit about this. Listening to ladies. Counseling. Thinking about this. So, it's true what I'm telling you. There are women who think like that. And I would say that it's not necessarily by any fault of their own. Sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes it's church people's fault. So there is a difference between doing something out of conviction and doing something out of legalistic pressures. Sometimes we embrace the convictions of others to win acceptance or in order to gain praise. I've heard these kind of... I'm, I'm going to stick with baking bread. Y'all okay with that? All right. I, break, I bake bread for my family. I don't buy it at the store. Oh, I bake bread too. Since I've done this, my boys have grown six inches taller. And my girls have an IQ that's 20% higher. So if you want to be a godly great mom, then you've got to bake bread at home like me. Well, there's all kinds of pressures in ministry and life. They can give us a distorted view of God. A distorted view of what God requires. We have moms that become frustrated because they never perform according to these legalistic parameters, well enough. That is always a problem with legalism, because you never perform well enough. So you're always frustrated, and you feel condemned because you think that God thinks that you're a terrible mother because you're not living up to everyone else's taboos or, or religious opinions, right? Well, sometimes we have moms who feel inferior because other women, in their opinion, do things a lot better than they do. This happens, right? Sometimes moms feel self-righteous because they're doing things that other moms fail to do. And here's something else I've learned. Sometimes these very moms who feel jealous of the ones who don't do certain things are, are, 
Sometimes the mom who, moms who look down on others for not doing certain things develop jealousy because when they look at the other families that are not doing these things, their kids seem happy. And their husband seem ha- seems happy. And they eat Wonder Bread. <laughs> right? You know this is all true. So let me give you some... Let me, today, let me give you some principles for freedom in Christ and happiness. Are you ready? I didn't put this in the bulletin because I knew that I would run out of space on the bulletin for those two points. But Jason and I discussed how if I give you applicational points in the future, we may just tack these on the screen so you can see them. But here's the first one. The Lord does not expect perfection from you. Are you listening, ladies? Stop and consider how the Lord Christ deals with Mary and Martha. Who's the perfectionist here? Martha. What Christ says in verse 41 and 42 is absolutely liberating. Martha, you are anxious and troubled about things, but one thing is necessary. Martha thinks she must do everything. But I want to remind you that your primary calling is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ first. You're called, ladies, to be a a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ First and foremost, some of you are killing yourself and not enjoying that at all because you think you need to do everything and you have to do it perfectly. That's not what the Lord Jesus required of Martha or Mary and he doesn't require it of you. It may be perfectly okay to do less. Number two, the Holy Spirit did not give you every gift and every enablement. You do know this, right? Over in 1 Corinthians, when the Corinthians are arguing about the fact that they think they should have all the gifts, Paul says, you don't have all the gifts. Do all perform service in that strictly sense of the word? Administrative gift, no. Do all speak with tongues? Let me make this clear. No, right? That's what Paul says there. So it's a reminder for all of us that the Holy Spirit has not equipped everybody and enabled everyone to do absolutely everything. He just hasn't done this. You don't have all the gifts, ladies. If you are constantly burdening your conscience to do something that you are not wired to do, it is safe to say that the Lord may be telling you it's okay not to do that. All right? Number three. This is going fast, isn't it? Legalistic bondage is rooted in the wrong view of God. I think this is the core problem. I must do this. I must do this. I must do this. And if you have... A to-do list at the end of the day that is bigger than the list that you started the day with, you might fit into this category. I have to do this, I have to do this. You can fall into the trap of thinking that my motherhood and my wifery, is that a word? I like it. My domestic responsibilities are actually the way that I am sanctified and the way that I'm accepted before God. You can begin to think like that. Paul asked this question, are those of you who have been justified by faith trying to be perfected by the deeds of the flesh? Let that sink in. Ladies, you are not sanctified by spectacular motherhood. You are not perfected by a long list of motherhood laws. Your primary identity is not motherhood. Your primary identity is a follower of Christ. Jesus Christ is yours and you are his and that is your identity. The most important thing for you in life is to be found in Jesus Christ. Ladies, if that's not liberating, I don't know what is. Your identity does not come from just being a mother. Is that a wonderful identity? I will say yes, no matter what society says. Our president, vice president, nobody even knows what a mom is. Nobody knows what a mother is. I get all that. Don't ever think that lost people are going to know the Bible. We get mad about those things, right? And it is wrong, 100%. Let's us as believers tell the truth about what it is to be a father and the mother, and a father is a male, and a mama is a female. Okay? We can say that, and we will say that even if they put us in jail. Now, you may not say that. You may chicken out, but if they put me in jail, I'm going to say it all the way in until they shut the door. Right? <laughs> So I'm just trying to get you to understand that it's easy for us. Motherhood is awesome. It is, it is an identity that you are a mother. But that's not your primary identity. The primary one is that you belong to Jesus Christ. You are significant. Listen, ladies. 
You are a significant person and loved by God and redeemed by God. And in his eyes, you are a significant person, even if all your kids fall off the face of the earth. Let this sink in. If you're saved, you are in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. You are significant in the eyes of God, even if all of your children grow up to be knuckleheads and jerks. You are still chosen of God. You are primarily first a disciple of Christ. Your identity is based on who you are in Christ and what he has done for you. But you know also along the same lines of a wrong view of God, oftentimes our responses are due to the, they're rooted in the fear of man, are they not? The Bible would remind us in the Proverbs that the fear of man is a snare. If you live like this, you're living under the fear of man. If I don't do blank, what will X think of me? If you think like this, you're living under the fear of man. If that's the first thing that pops into your mind, then you may be living in the fear of man. In other words, if I don't, if I don't bake my own bread, what will X think of me? Here's the deal, folks. Live to please God. Live to please Jesus. We all have our little pet things that we think makes other people holy, don't we? You're guilty. You know this. And the very, some of the very same things that you pick out in someone else are the very same things you do. And yet you think, well, I'm holier than that person, right? There's really only one person that matters. And that's what Paul says in Galatians. We don't live to please men. We live to please Christ. Number four, your acceptance with God is based on grace, not motherhood. Aren't you thankful? Do you hear it screaming out in Galatians that you're not saved by law? You're not saved by works. You're justified by grace through faith. You're accepted for Christ's sake. The Bible says your life is hidden with Christ in God. Awesome. God has accepted you for the glory of Christ who is your righteousness. Your motherhood is not your righteousness. Christ is your righteousness. Christ, read Psalm 130. Just exult in the Lord over that. You are completely forgiven, completely accepted in the beloved for Christ's sake. Aren't we thankful for grace today? Praise God. And finally, admitting failure and weakness maximizes grace. I did not say that you should live in such a way that you say, I'm going to sin so that grace will abound. Paul says, may that never happen. Romans 6, what shall we say that grace may, what shall we say, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. But here's what I am saying. Paul would say that I will glory in my weakness. Because when I am weak, I am strong in him. God's grace is sufficient for me. Moms, you have a very high calling. But your highest calling is to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a child of God by faith. Rest in his grace. Look to the cross. Give up things that enslave you. Rejoice in the gospel. Because the gospel is for everyone. And even moms. The gospel. And priorities and ministries for mothers. Did y'all get that? Alright, listen. Mom. If you're here today, grandmom. Grandmother, if you're not saved today, you don't know the Lord, please hear the word of the Lord in Galatians. What does Paul mean when he says, by the works of the law will no man ever be justified with God? That means, folks, there's not a, there, there's not a half a hallelujah chance that any man or woman will ever stand in heaven based upon something they've done to get there. You cannot be saved. Job asked that question categorically. He said, how can a man be in the right before God? And he understood that even if he washed himself in snow water, he couldn't clean himself up because he's a sinner. What Job asked for was a mediator, someone to mediate between. And that's who does it. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. He lived a righteous life wherein you could not. So how, do you, how are you justified? You're justified by grace through faith. Why? Because Jesus lived the obedient Christian life, the obedient sinless life that you could never live. And that perfect Lamb of God took himself to the cross of Calvary 
and died in your stead and on your behalf. And when you trust Christ, you're trusting in His obedience. So you're saved really by the obedience of Jesus. You're not saved by anything you've ever done. You're, you're saved by the fact that Jesus obeyed the law perfectly. So when the Father looks at you, He actually sees that you've obeyed, but you didn't really do it. Christ did it. He obeyed it for you. That's why you have to have the righteousness of Jesus given to you to go to heaven. Nobody will ever go to heaven without the righteousness of God being given to them as a gift. It will never happen. No matter what the world religions say, they're all false and wrong. There's only one true Christianity. And it's not religion. Religion is you seeking after God. That never works. Christianity is God seeking after man. That always works. Right? God takes the initiative. So today I say to you moms, trust Christ. He that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. We need righteousness. Right? And I will say for our moms, mothers in this church, what a blessing you are to us. Um, I, I've been blessed to pastor a church like First Baptist Ozark and be around some of the best moms and grandmas in the world. And I'm thankful for you, each and every one of you. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, you're so good to us, Father. And we, Lord, we, we want to repel and push back against legalistic requirements that don't mesh with what the Word of God says, man-made rules that don't fit the Scriptures. What we learn from you is that there's no salvation, no righteousness, no heaven, no eternal life without the righteousness of Jesus. By the works of the law will no man or woman ever be saved. We also learn that there is something that moms and mothers must do as primary, and that's be a follower of Jesus. Listen to the Word of God. Let it be all in all for them to meditate in it day and night that they observe to do all that is written therein that they that we as fathers give our wives adequate time to be in the scriptures they need their devotion time it ought to thrill us to see our wives in the word of God God help us to help them be under the word of God whether it's the preaching which is gigantically important or whether it's at home reading the scriptures and reading devotions, may they be enwrapped in the word of God. And Lord, help us all today not to give in to so many distractions that keeps us away from the focus of our primary calling, and that's to be your disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's redo a song we did earlier. Come to Jesus, rest in Him. Are you weary, heavy laden? Come and lay your burdens down. Jesus calls you, Jesus draws you. Rest in Him. He is gentle, He is lonely. He delights to bring us peace. Tender shepherd, mighty Savior, rest in Him. How sure His compassion, how sure His compassion for us. Oh, how deep is His love. So come, come to Jesus and
may be seated. This is Josh and Abby Enloe, and Josh is the son of Henry and Cindy Enloe that are members here at our church. And um, interesting story, uh, I joke with Josh, yeah, he's, he's, he, he went down to Victory Baptist Church to find him a wife. He jokingly said that all of them were like 50 and older except Abby. Yeah. <laughs> No, the Lord God brought the two of them together. And aren't, you, aren't you thankful for providence that God sees to it? And he's blessed Josh and Abby together. And they have one little one. And so they want to stand before you today and tell you they know Christ. They follow in believer's baptism. And they want to unite with FBCO by transfer of letter from a sister SBC church. All right? So it's our favor to receive them. Amen? God is good. All right. I'll have you go to the back with Don and have him greet y'all going out. All right. Did we miss anything, David, other than to say Happy Mother's Day again? I hope you have a wonderful Christ-exalting day. Um, I hope the husband's prepared you a big old meal. My wife is actually worked yesterday to prepare chicken, right, for mother-in-law and for mama. So she was a Martha, but, but not in a bad sense of the word, right? <laughs> Not in effect. She was all in the text of Scripture, doing it exactly right. Amen. I hope you have a wonderful day, and to God be the glory. Uh, I appreciate our church family. Oh, I'm looking for my sword, and Billy has it. All right. But God bless you. If we don't have any announcements, oh, we don't have a Sunday night service tonight, okay? So keep that in mind. Y'all have a wonderful day.